0: Welcome to The Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, March 14th edition of the show, and Jake, there is one single piece of information today that reigns supreme above all. Can you guess what it is? There is one there is one topic that is the most important today.
1: Um is it that the Ducks have not won a game on this road trip
0: yet? It is that today is pie day. Oh, 314 that that's where you're going I was like you can't yeah 3.14 3
1: 3.14 and 3 plus 1 is 4 and 44 is 2 more than 42 and 42 is Josh Manson's number wow I, that that was actually impressive I've actually I was, l- I, I was trying to figure out an actual correlation with Three point one four and forty two and couldn't No, it. you you managed. Oh you ma- damn it! Here you it managed is. Managed something. Here it is. Three point one four. Three minus one is two, and the last number is four. Flip that around, you get forty two. I mean,
0: your 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 first thing worked. I don't know why you had to do that, but hey, that works. You, I like you, the du- si- I like the second one better. You doubled up. Uh, it is also Stephen Curry's birthday, so I just it's a great day. It's a great day to 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 you know sports wise and uh, holiday wise. You can't really go wrong. But in all seriousness, I, I'm, trying not to, I'm trying not to beat around the bush too much. We got a little lucky today because going into today, I thought, okay, well, it doesn't look like there's going to be any news. We're going to have to talk about this road trip and just kind of the usual bit. But late this afternoon, we get the news that we've been waiting for for years now. And that is Josh Manson traded to the Colorado Avalanche in return for Drew Hellison and a second round pick in next year's draft. The Ducks retained 50% of Josh Manson's cap hit. So this is this is the this is the the deal, Jake. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been clamoring for. A true rebuild type move. A pending UFA gets dealt. A, a team, you know, a, a fan favorite, popular in the locker room, popular among fans. You will recall the quote last year that you don't your wife doesn't love you as much as the ducks love josh manson and yet here we are pat verbeek weeks really into his tenure as the anaheim ducks gm has pulled the trigger cold calculatingly and we're on the other side of it now your thoughts what was your reaction what was your gut reaction um
1: my initial gut reaction was uh what's the pick because yeah, we didn't know was, we didn't know it was first reported by kevin weeks we should give him credit of the duck training josh manson for drew Hellison, and a pick it took a while renault uh what is it renault Lavoie. yeah got it uh, wrong said it got third it wrong round Set a third um i got corrected so much by my quote tweet and, I, d- I deleted yeah i, I just deleted I, I decided to leave it and just add another tweet as a follow-up i probably should have but then pierre lebrun Elliot friedman followed up saying it was a second round pick yep um so I, I think with all of these I it's hard to have an initial reaction because you don't necessarily know a lot about the prospect you don't know a lot about where he was taken necessarily. I, I had a evaluate. gut reaction. What was your gut reaction?
0: My gut reaction was well, especially when I saw the third round pick, I was like, "That's it, that, yeah, that's that's, that's the fair. return." And I didn't know anything about Drew Hellison. I mean, full, disclo- full disclosure, I'm still not a Drew Hellison expert, but that gut reaction has definitely changed in the in I mean even in the minutes and the hours that followed. I mean now I I would not hold that same opinion.
1: Well yeah, and I, I think this is a, a fantastic return and I think the, the Ducks ended up getting I think just kind of jumping right on into it, uh the Ducks ended up getting essentially two second round picks. If you want to just break it down purely by value, Drew Hellison was a second round pick in the twenty nineteen draft, same draft as Trevor Ziegris, um just for kind of context there. Um and they also got a twenty twenty three second round pick. So they got two seconds for Josh Manson. Um, that's, I mean, just purely looking at value, I would say that's probably about similar to what was kind of reported as being the ask for Ben Chirot and similar type defenseman of a first and a fourth. I'd say two seconds, especially when you factor in that Drew Hellison was a second, but it's now multiple years since. He's improved, and he is probably NHL-ready. He's going to be an NHL regular, I think uh, Chris Peters said, by the 23-24 season. Mm-hmm. So that means next year he'll probably be up and down. Two years he'll be a complete NHL regular. Are you surprised that it's Colorado? Um, a little bit, just because I don't think I had heard them necessarily being in on defensemen. I just I didn't necessarily know that what they were looking for, but I think it was on thirty two thoughts. Didn't uh, Gabe Landeskog get a procedure done, um, or am I misquoting someone I, on yeah? Someone on the Avalanche just got a procedure done that will basically make it so they're out until the playoffs start, and it's something that they it they could have played through, but they decided to to get it done. Let it be let them be healthy come playoff time, and by doing that, that clears up some cap space for them.
0: Yeah, I'm not seeing anyone on injured reserve for Colorado. Maybe
1: I'm making this up. Then, <laughs> I, yeah, I, we we have got uh, Spencer yeah, let, in our let, Spencer let, and Linda our. is
0: not listed on any type of IR, but maybe so, this is all pending. I mean, it's not it's not hugely important. I think the surprise for it's not really that it's a surprise. It's just when we've always talked about Manson trades, Toronto has always been the one that we've brought up. However, the thing that we've got to keep in mind, and I think this is kind of a good starting point for evaluating the return on this trade is that this wasn't it wasn't a situation where the Ducks could just trade Josh Manson anywhere. He had a 12 team no trade list and that really dictated where you can send him because it's not just that it's 12 teams it's that it's 12 teams that you could potentially send him to but now the market is restricted even further and within that restricted market there's other restrictions because not all of those teams are actually on the hunt for a rental defenseman. So that, that was a big constraint that the ducks had to work through. And I would, I would guess that none of the Canadian teams, uh, I don't think any of the Canadian teams would have been an acceptable destination for Manson. I'm pretty sure that they were all on his no trade list.
1: Yep. And also wanted to add in. So a bunch of people in the Twitch chat are chiming in, including Spencer, who's a actual avalanche fan, uh, saying Landis having knee surgery.
0: Okay. So it's just not official yet. Or it's yeah. not it's he's not yeah. listed so, as on IR. Yeah.
1: Knee knee cleanup, so not a long term injury, more so something to just kind of make himself be healthy, come playoffs. So he'll be out uh for the remainder of the season, gives them LTIR to work with. Yeah. Um, and that allows them to bring on Josh Manson.
0: Yeah, and I mean the Ducks did retain half. So you're just really kind of sweetening the deal there if you're the Ducks. I think that, you know, aside from just the fact that the ducks were working under these constraints, I think that evaluating the return here in terms of just sheer trade value is really important. And this is something that you and I were talking about a little bit earlier because our expectation was that the ducks would get a first round pick because that's what the market has basically said over the last few years, Mm -hmm. a rental defenseman of Josh Manson's ilk gets you a first round pick and some kind of prospect. Did not get them a first-round pick, got them a second-round pick, and got them Drew Hellison, who is a former second-round pick. And this is all, mind you, while the Ducks retain the maximum 50%. So what that tells me, at least, is I think that the Ducks want – I think Hellison was maybe not exactly, quote-unquote, their guy, but a guy that they valued highly because he's a right-handed D. He's kind of in that Josh Manson mold, and his college career is presumably over. And so he's he's about to make the step. So I think that that profile was probably really attractive to the Ducks because it's not a guy that you're starting all the way over with.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think kind of looking at the pure value of this, I think we were constantly looking at first-round pick, first-round pick, first-round pick.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: what did we mention, I don't know, three, four months ago, right? Yeah. When, with regards to the deadline was that maybe with the way this season has gone, we, when everyone was talking about should the Ducks be sellers, should they retain their free agents to go on a playoff run? Turns out, obviously, the, the answer to that was no with with how the season has gone. But the in terms of what they should do, one of the things that you and I both suggested was maybe adjust what you're looking for instead mm-hmm. of purely looking for first-round picks. That Granted, first-round picks are making the NHL quicker than ever, I think, right now. Yeah, But maybe you adjust that to instead of getting a first round pick that you're going to be drafting and he, essentially he's a 17, 18 year old right now. You look at trying to get a prospect that's 20, 21 right now that yeah. more so fits exactly in your age, uh, your contending window. And that's what Hellison does. I mean, Hellison is 20, 20 years old right now. He's going to be 21 later this month. Same draft, like I said, as the, the Zegras draft fits perfectly with the Ducks contending window because he's going to hit his prime in what two, three years, uh, or no, probably a little bit more than that as a defenseman, probably 25. So in in about five years or so and maintain that and defensemen are able to maintain that level because defensive, uh, impact is a little bit easier to maintain long-term than offensive impact. Um, and this, this is just basically a move that, I mean, I mean, maybe just to summarize it is the ducks traded Josh Manson for basically a 20 year old Josh Manson.
0: Yeah. And he's about to be 21. I think you already mentioned that, but there's, I mean, there's also just the cold reality that the avalanche don't have their first or second round pick in this year's draft. And so you just can't get, it's already gone. I think it is kind of interesting that the ducks couldn't get next year's first round pick from the avalanche. And so my guess would be, and this is again, just a lot of speculation, but that If you're the avalanche, trading a first round pick that far into the future, even though it's just a year from now, like who knows what could happen, right? Injuries, nightmare season, and then and then all of a sudden you gotta look back and say you traded that pick for a rental.
1: And I don't think it I don't think it was first plus uh plus Hellison. I think if you wanted the first, you didn't get Hellison.
0: Exactly. And I think that the Ducks I think the Ducks correctly valued Hellison over next year's first for Colorado because even though sure there might be a nightmare scenario where Colorado isn't as good next year, I mean we don't know what's going to happen with some of their free agents, is Kadri going to be back? That like there's some decisions there. But ultimately uh, the, the the second round pick, I mean that's there's still value there and then Hellison I think is the ideal. I mean, this is like, you already mentioned this, but we've, we've been talking about this, how if you're the Ducks now seeing what they've done this year, you start prioritizing guys who are a little closer. But the thing is, I mean, I don't know if you would call Drew Hellison a, a blue chip prospect necessarily. I mean, he's clearly not their top D prospect. He's probably firmly third. But I think that this is a different caliber than the types of players that we've seen Bob Murray bring in over the last couple of years that, you know, the kind of more retread guys who just didn't work out with their first team.
1: Well, here's, I think kind of what this instantly does for the ducks as a franchise is it instantly kind of sets them up to essentially be a bit deeper defensively in in their prospect system. Because Mm -hmm. I I think this plus the Zellweger science, Zellweger draft, a a lot of that. I mean, don't look now, but I mean, they've got under, under the age of 21 years old, Or 21 years of age. They've got Hellison, Lacombe, Thrun, um, Drysdale, Zellweger. Yep. And now. And and Ian Moore also, depending on how he ends up turning
0: out. Well, I was also going to mention that now, if, let's say, you're not able to keep some of those college guys, you have a little more slack. Yeah. Because it's it's not quite as disastrous if a Henry Thrun or a Jackson Lacombe doesn't end up Uh coming over. Yeah, and
1: I uh, what did I? I don't think I said. I think I accidentally didn't say Drew Hellison be from the Twitch chat. But regardless, uh, with Hellison, um, it, I think maybe this factors in somewhat. I, nah, it doesn't really at all now. That I think about it, but he's friends with Trevor
0: Zegers, which probably yeah. helps out a little bit. Yeah, I mean they they've played together on Team USA, but of course that's not that's not the biggest factor. What is here. it? He's the he's the fourth member on this team
1: or fourth member in the the system that will be from that 20 yeah. uh 2021
0: uh yeah, world junior you've championship got sam colangelo trevor oh Zegers. that five okay blake is no blake wasn't there uh no, henry no, no. thrun henry thrun jackson lacombe jackson lacombe <laughs> and now yeah yeah so the ducks are building a little hive of uh, of that world is is cole caulfield next no i'm just kidding that's oh you, I, I, I didn't even have to throw that I'm, one I'm just, out i'm just saying it so that because i know someone's gonna throw that out there um so i think overall i i said it on twitter and i i still stand by it i would give this trade an a mm-hmm. i think that this is exactly this is exactly what you need to do and and i know that we know for a fact that there are people out there who are underwhelmed by the return but that's just kind of the nature of of this type of trade is that you are you're trading present value, which you can see, you can you can look at the stats. It's tangible for future value, and the future value is not quite as tangible. But that's that's the type of trade. It's the type of philosophy that you need to embrace. And I think that it firmly says, it, it backs up what Pat Verbeek has said, which is that this team is still in the middle of a rebuild. This is a rebuild trade. You, this, you don't you you don't do this if you're gunning for a playoff spot.
1: This. Pat Verbeek has done more for the Ducks rebuild in with this one it, trade w- in one month than yeah. Bob Murray did over the tenure of his GM.
0: Well, I mean, of being h- a GM, how much credit do you give him for the draft picks? Because that is, I mean, that's part of it. I'm purely talking trades for trades. Then yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and you know, I I think kind of spinning it forward now, l- looking to the summer one of the rumblings was that look Josh Manson really wants really loves playing in Southern California and maybe the Ducks and his camp were not quite as you know conversational negotiating towards the end because the Ducks just know that Manson wants to be there well now this summer if the Ducks decide hey maybe we can bring him back they have that option now and they've gotten the value in return like you get the best of both worlds I don't know if that will happen because Manson's going to be able to field a bunch of offers but if he, if he truly loves playing in Anaheim that much, maybe well, you see him back. I wouldn't rule it out.
1: If if, if you are uh, Josh Manson and you absolutely love playing in Anaheim, what's better for you? You staying here signing an extension or them moving you? You go to potentially the number one seed in the playoffs, the cup contender, the top seed, the, I mean, the I, favorite. I they're,
0: the, they're the favorites, right?
1: Yeah, they're the favorite. You go mm-hmm. to the favorite, you get a chance to win a cup, and then if you want to, you can come back in the off season, sign back with the team in the location that you like. And now that team is more well-suited to be better in the future because of you moving. So mm-hmm. you, like this could be the, like both the ducks and Manson having their cake and eating it too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that if, I mean, if, for example, if if he goes on a deep playoff run with the abs, they win a Stanley cup. That's going to increase his price tag. That's going to increase his leverage. And that's, that's a win for him, and then the Ducks can make their decision when when it comes down to it. So, like you said, it's a win-win. It is still just – there is something just kind of crazy, though, about the fact that it finally happened. When I was looking yeah. up his name on Cap Friendly, seeing the logo, the Colorado Avalanche logo above his name, it's just – it still doesn't feel completely real for some reason.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, and, I mean, to Manson's credit, I, I think he's going to help the Avalanche out. He's been good this year, and I think going to the Avalanche – they're a team with a very good system and a very good coach um, that are going to be able to take advantage of the way that he plays. And you and I have talked about this a bunch, but Manson, when he's at at his best, he's not going out of his way to play physical. He's a guy that can make really smart, simple plays, five foot passes, 10 foot passes that can help break the puck out. Um, That's when he's at his best. And I think that on the Avalanche, he can kind of be put in a position. I think the only concern I would slightly have, if you're an Avalanche fan listening to this, trying to get a feed on what Josh Manson is, is that um, the only concern is the Avalanche, I don't think really have any physical defensemen necessarily. Maybe I'm just uh, mis- remembering. Oh, they have Cur- Curtis, Curtis Mc- McDermott, Jack right.
0: Johnson. Yeah, okay. Eric, is mind. Eric Johnson physical? I don't know. Maybe. But what I, I was going to say is may, may, maybe may, he
1: feels like it's his role to go out and be physical, and that's when he's at his worst, is when he goes out of his way. Yeah,
0: I, I don't think that will be the case. I mean, now the Avs look a lot better on the blue line. I mean, their blue line right now, I don't know if they they have any guys that are injured. Oh, I guess, yeah, Bo Byron, Gerard is out. I was on the I was on an Avalanche podcast earlier, and I guess when everyone is healthy, the the ideal pairing for Josh Manson is with Samuel Gerard and that's perfect I think it's perfect because the re- I think the biggest reason that Manson has been able to get back to this to this level this year is because of playing with cam Fowler mm-hmm. and Samuel Girard is not exactly cam Fowler but he is in that mold of a mobile mm-hmm. defenseman who's gonna really carry the mail on the breakout and so that way Manson because we've seen it with Manson when he has to be the guy on the breakout it doesn't go very well yeah, he's the one that wants to make the quick little five-foot pass to let someone
1: else break the puck out.
0: Yeah, when he's trying to dangle, when he's trying to do it on his own, <laughs> it's just you're rolling the dice every time.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, and, and so, I mean, let's just do this. The Some scouting reports on uh, Drew Hellison. Uh, so this was Scott Wheeler's report on him uh, prior to this season in college where I think he's actually made big improvements from certain things that I've read. But just on Hellison, Hellison, who has always been a strong defender, who has NHL size, uh, smooth skating mechanics, and an impressive feel for spacing and timing, has developed in his play an aggression with puck in the uh, with puck in the last two seasons to really round into form as one of college hockey's top uh, two-way defensemen, and to earn an invite to play for USA Men's Hockey at the Olympics. He now involves himself regularly regularly in the Eagles' attacks, looking to activate off the line consistently. Um, that complements his longstanding ability to defend the rush, maintain good positioning in the defensive half rarely make the wrong choice of the puck or on a read and just sound instincts and intuition in all four corners of the ring. He projects as a steady, reliable, number five, number six defenseman. And so reading that, that kind of reads as like his floor to me is a, is a six, uh, six defenseman on a good team.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think with, with Drew Hellison, the earlier, so the reports from let's say last year are more of that of a kind of low ceiling defensive, defensive, defensive defenseman type player. And now I think his stock has really shot up this year. And it seems like maybe he's added a tiny bit more offense to his game, or maybe a lot of it, depending on who you talk to. And I think that's really exciting just because now maybe for the ducks, the worst case scenario is that they get Josh Manson and, or at least, you know, like close to Josh Manson. And the best case scenario is that maybe they get a little bit more, a guy with a little bit more offensive upside to his game, because just watching the few clips I've seen of, of Drew Hellison, you can already tell that his skill level is higher than Josh Manson's. So yeah, if, he, I mean, if he's able to, to carry that over at all, the Ducks, I think, are in for a, a really nice return. I mean, even
1: just comparing it. I mean, in, at Boston College this past year, he had 25 points in 32 games, whereas Manson in his final year of college, his uh, which also would have been his junior year, had 10 points in 33 games. Mm-hmm. So he's just been a more productive player. And, I mean, let me ask you this, because this is something I've kind of gone back and forth on in my own head. Uh, with looking at prospects in general, is how much do we just kind of throw away some of the stats from last season?
0: You mean with uh, all the restrictions? And COVID and shortened seasons and everything like that. It's hard to say. I mean, it matters still, but maybe you you do have to factor that into a degree. I don't think you can throw it out completely, though. No, but I think that you might wait this season more than you do two seasons ago. I mean, the fact that he has shown growth, the fact that he's added dimensions to his game, that's all you need to know, that, mm-hmm. that, that there is an upward t- trajectory there. And yep. now I, I guess that the question becomes with Hellison because I think he really is kind of the – he is the centerpiece of this deal for the Ducks, the centerpiece of the return. Does he make – because we were just talking about this before we started recording. Does he make the jump to the NHL this season or maybe reading into Verbeek's comments, is he going to spend some time in the a Yeah,
1: so just some bookkeeping on this. Uh, his college season is over. And so I'm gonna assume that he was going to sign an NHL contract soon. I don't think if you're Pat Verbeek you make this deal for Drew Hellison if the uh, idea yeah. was he was going to go back to college.
0: Yeah, because if he, you saw the you saw the replies of oh why are they trading for a college guy? He's not gonna sign. You know, just, it's Justin well, Schultz just, all
1: over again. <laughs> and and just to add some context there, Justin Schultz, I always find a weird one. I mean, it's so front of, my, front of mind for everyone because it was the Ducks. That was a weird one, though, where he was able to become a free agent after his junior year because mm-hmm. he played, like, in a specific uh, BC Junior League that <laughs> there was a random loophole where if you played in that league and three years of college, you became a UFA. Right. It, it was really strange, whereas this is just basically you have four years to sign your entry level or your got the guys that you drafted to an entry level contract. If you don't, then they become free agents and that's kind of how it works. And so that's where if uh Hellison would had decided and same thing with through same th- and same thing with Lacombe, same thing with all of them. If they decide to go back for their senior year, they can wait it out till the summer of 23, which would make them UFAs. And so that's why, When we're talking about signing him to a deal, that's why this year is so important. And so my understanding of this and someone correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter or whatever. But my understanding of this is if Hellison signs his deal, he doesn't have to play in the NHL in order to burn the year. Because he is over twenty years old, because that that's the ELC slide. If you're eighteen or nineteen by September, um, and you don't play over nine NHL games, your entry level deal slides doesn't burn the year. Whereas if you're over that, and Hellison was twenty at the of, as of September, and you just play in any game because your NHL your entry level deal has AHL and NHL salary, then that counts as a year uh, off your deal because you're playing games right then. So I think. I could be wrong here, though. This is something I tried looking up. I'm not necessarily positive on, but I think if he plays uh, a single, signs the ELC and plays in the AHL, then he does not burn the year off his deal, or sorry, he does burn the year off his deal. If he were to sign an ATO, an amateur tryout, and then sign in summer, then it wouldn't burn the year. My assumption here is he's probably going to sign his ELC.
0: He's probably going to play a game or two with the Ducks, probably play the rest of it with the goals. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to say just because now with a different management group, we don't know exactly yeah. what the what the precedent is because we've seen if it were still Bob Murray, we would have some comparable well, situations to point to.
1: You might have to dangle it in front of him also because, I mean, here's the other thing. When you play in the NHL, even if you're uh, not playing, if you're scratched, you get paid your NHL salary. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this is a hey, we're gonna do you a favor. You're gonna play a couple games. The rest of them you're gonna be scratched for. Then you're going to uh, then you're going to uh, make your NHL contract. And we're just not gonna play you in the AHL. We're gonna let you do that. Give you that money essentially as a make good towards you.
0: Um, I mean, there 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 has to be some degree of enticement from the Ducks towards Hellison. Yeah, Ellison, yeah so.
1: exactly. And Ken is asking uh, why isn't Hellison in the Ducks cap friendly? That's because he has not signed a deal yet.
0: Yeah, he should be on the reserve list. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, he's in. The, if you go to reserves uh, on Cap Friendly, he is in there. So he mm-hmm. is he is part of the Ducks organization. Yeah. Yeah. Reserve list. So it's gonna be interesting from that point of view. I do want to quickly touch on a narrative though regarding Manson. So not to completely shift away. Okay. But you, you I mean, you've seen. I, I guess it doesn't really matter anymore if for us to discuss this or not, but. I think that there's a lot of people who came out like, for example, Jay Fresh saying, you know, Manson's probably not worth it or there's some some big flaws in his game. And we've been very critical of Manson here in the past. I mean, particularly last season and, and not even just his play, but I mean, the decision making, the fighting, all of that. I feel like Manson has barely fought this year. Just like this just hit me right now. But anyway, the point is, I think that last year the season that he had is not completely representative of the player that he is or the player that he can be because this year if you look at his underlying numbers, they're a lot better and not just the not just like the on ice impact, but you know, even the isolated impact. And then if you look at, for example, the the tracking data, you know, he's great at suppressing zone entries against his zone exits are actually quite good as well. And so I think that like I think this is just like a very fair deal for both teams. I think yeah. that b- both teams got what they wanted, what they maybe even needed. I mean, cause we talked about it. We, we were talking about it earlier in the season, but what, you know, for example, if the ducks sell off a Lindholm and a, and a Manson, you look at their defense pipeline and it's not like there's maybe a little uncertainty there. And so now you're able to address that. You get a, you get a valuable pick in a second rounder, which you can either use or you can trade it just and and then for the avalanche they get a player in manson who i think will help them so mm-hmm. it just i don't know it just i i very it, it doesn't happen all the time but i i don't have like a strong i don't have any strong criticism or strong takes on this i just think it's a good deal yeah and, and i think that's
1: the sign of that this two, was two, a good deal. two smart gms
0: coming together two, yeah
1: two smart gms where you're it's kind of working uh working out for both teams well and at the end of the day that's what a trade should be. Yeah. Trades shouldn't necessarily be about one team winning and one team losing like Bob Murray thought you had to do. You had to win every deal. It should be about one team that's in a different position for, of, from one another trading an asset for something of equal value that will help the other team in their position.
0: Right. And and I think that the, the big key, the big underlying assumption in all of this is Pat Verbeek accepts the fact that the Ducks are in a rebuild, Right bob murray sure you can talk about not winning the deal but are we that confident that he was fully embracing the rebuild i mean i know that this year right we got we got fed the narrative from camp onward but that was a lot of talk and there was very little action to support that any evidence to support that they really believed that they were in a rebuild and so this like it's it's going to sound crazy, but it's important to have a realistic view of your team in the NHL to move forward. If you if like, you keep if you keep living in denial, you're just going to be. I mean, you're going to be what the Ducks have been the last three years.
1: Like, let's be realistic here. The Ducks could potentially be in the playoff mix next year. I, I think that's yeah. a realistic possibility.
0: Like this, this hasn't compromised that.
1: No, and I think that they could potentially be contending in two years. Right, the 23-24 yeah. season is when that contending window can potentially open. This uh, this is what came from uh Chris Peters, but um or this was on the Daily Face Off, which kind of quoted Chris Peters a little bit, basically saying, our Daily Face Off prospect analyst Chris Peters believes Hellison is trending towards a number four, number five defenseman in an NHL lineup once fully formed.
0: Peter projects him to be an NHL regular by twenty three, twenty four. Perfect. So there you go. I mean, and and you have to imagine that this is all this is all part of the thought process. It's not an accident that the Ducks specifically targeted this player right and i mean and we and we we know that based off of verbeek's comments we know we can just see it based on the the trajectory of the team i just i don't know that to me this there's still a lot of work to be done we still don't know what's going to happen with Lindholm. we still don't know what's going to happen with raquel but this to me is is a good litmus test for is pat verbeek actually an upgrade over bob murray like yes. I, I think we i think we already know now based and off honest- this one trade
1: honestly i think when you look at the criticism of this trade for i think the thought process behind that i think reinforces that verbeek did the right thing right in, in some ways when you look at the logic behind us being critical of the deal it's mm-hmm. well they didn't get anyone back that will impact the lineup it's like yeah exactly yeah. that's what that is what they should be doing like they should not be looking at getting someone with exact value right now in a josh manson deal yeah like, yeah it's this is what they should be doing so um really really awesome to see from the ducks um and i mean let's just uh get to a quick word from our sponsor before we keep on going with this yep so this episode is brought to you by mac weldon so it's no secret that we all want to look our best this spring right Mack Weldon is the expert when it comes to stylish essentials, perfect for the new season. Whether you want to upgrade your sweats, collect, or sweats collection or need gear that stands up to change it, the changing weather, Mack Weldon has exactly what you're looking for. And if that's not convenient enough, let me tell you about Mack Weldon's daily wear system. All the clothes work together for real. So whether you're headed to work, going for a run, or just hanging out on the couch, getting dressed takes no effort at all. So, I mean, Felix, you and I have been big fans of Mac Weldon. What are some of your favorite things? What are some
0: of your favorite things lately from Mack Weldon? You know, sometimes in life you gotta you find you find that one thing, you find that one piece of clothing. Oh, in this are, case. You, are you going there? I'm going, I'm going, I'm cutting right to the chase. And that would be the Ace sweatpant. It's the first oh. item I ever got from Mack Weldon. And bar none, the most comfortable sweatpants I have ever owned, have ever worn. Uh, it's and they're also not hideous to look at, which a lot of sweatpants are. They're actually pretty stylish. They have a nice tapered fit. Uh, they will make you look amazing and feel amazing because they're warm, but when it gets a little warmer, you're also not just sweating out of your eyeballs, which is really nice. Um, I'm actually wearing them right now record, re- recording this show, and I feel great doing it. So I would highly, highly recommend them. It is getting a little warmer out, but it's still pretty chilly at night, and for all our listeners that are maybe not living in Southern California, there's still a lot of cold that you're going to have to endure. And I, I would highly recommend the Ace sweatpant.
1: The Ace sweatpants are amazing. They yeah. it, it is, like, without a doubt, my favorite sweatpant of all time. And that's not just because they're a sponsor of this show. They're fantastic. They're amazing. They're fantastic. It's amazing. I've also recently got their uh, Maverick Tech Chino pants. Great work pants. Absolutely perfect. Look great, fit great. If you're looking for to upgrade your wardrobe for work, cannot recommend the Chino Pants enough from, uh, from Mack Weldon. They also have, I mean, their underwear is always great. Everything from Mack Weldon, you just can't go wrong at all. So for anyone who's looking to step up their daily routine, please don't miss any of these items. So you can check out Mack Weldon for, your, or for yourself and save 20% uh, on your first order. Visit macweldoncom slash crash. So just crash. Uh, and enter promo code crash again that's macweldon.com slash crash and enter promo code crash for 20% off. Find your perfect look for
0: this spring. Spring forward mm-hmm. Time change. Yeah, how are you feeling I, after that? It's thrown me off. It's it's thrown me off a little bit. I, I'm not gonna lie. I feel because I am someone who's really routine based and I kind of do the same things at the same time every day. And I have that, that slight little tweak. It's thrown me off ever so slightly. But I'm also loving it because it's not dark at, at 530 anymore. Yeah. I, I think today was a tough day of I couldn't go to bed early enough last
1: night. And so it really screwed same, me up. Same. But, you know, I, I think around 3 o'clock was
0: when I was starting to get tired. And uh, the Josh Manson trade came through to just wake me on up. Yeah. That really energized me. I mean, yeah. it's just nothing like a trade. So, so okay. I Give this a grade. I gave it a great on both artist. on both sides. I said it. Ooh, from an avalanche perspective. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I think, I mean, if I'm going to be consistent with what I've said, I think it has to be an a, they didn't give up a top flight prospect. I mean, they get, I mean, Hellison is a good prospect, but they didn't give up one of their main, main guys. They didn't give up a first round pick and they got a guy who's going to help them and who addresses a pretty glaring need in their lineup. So it has to be an a, mm-hmm. and then from the ducks perspective, um uh, I again I want to reiterate the fact that the Ducks were not working in a perfectly uh in a in a perfect environment where they were constrained by where they could trade Josh Manson and that did affect who they could negotiate with the leverage that the other team at the negotiation table has against them so all that considered getting a second round pick getting a uh a, a prospect of Hellison's caliber I I think it's an A as well so it's an A on yep. both sides I completely agree with that uh and I'm excited to see what happens.
1: I, I think that this is a, a good sign of things to come. Do you want to briefly touch on kind of the rest of the, the, I guess, the rumor mill around the Ducks?
0: Yeah, well, so, I mean, really right now, the one that I think we're all watching is Hampus Lindholm. Mm-hmm. Because with Hampus Lindholm, the reports are getting more and more specific. And now we're getting word that the Ducks and Lindholm's camp have not spoken in, in the last week, I believe, on an, on an extension. And the Ducks are basically drawing the line at five years, it sounds like. Lindholm wants more. And that's where things stand. Now, do you think there's any chance that the Ducks are going to extend Hampus Lindholm? Um, I think there's always a chance. Up until he's moved, there's always going to be
1: a chance. Um, and so maybe it gets lower and lower every day. I think maybe a week or two ago I would have put it at 50-50. I think right now it's maybe 2080 to mm-hmm. to traded versus moved. Um and so yeah, I, I think that's probably where I'm at
0: with it to be honest. So you're saying 80 sorry, 80 20? Is that what you 80 saying? 20 in terms of 80 being moved, 20% being extended. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's I know that there's chatter that, you know, maybe he he likes it here or or, or whatever, but I really think that this is to me, this is a done deal. I think he's gone because think about it. He wants the big contract. The Ducks don't want to give it to him. And maybe it's all posturing and maybe we're just being strung along. But that fundamental fact, I don't think there's much of a chance of it changing. Do can you I add, really, can do I add you re-
1: something here also on, yeah. on that note? If it is something where he likes it, he likes it here. He doesn't want to be moved. Uh, he wants to sign it. Like he does actually want to stay. But he mm-hmm. wants to get what he's worth. Yeah. If that's the case, why not do the exact same thing that we just said with Josh Manson? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It, it, like if if that's the case, and it's not a situation of him wanting to test the market, it is something of he likes it here. He's just kind of hardballing it. Like, why not just simply go to him and say, "Hey, here's this deal. We'll do six years for you. This will be here on July one. You like it here? Look at what we can get for you
0: on the open market. The team you'll be on for six years will be better. Yeah. Well, here's my thing, though. I do think that the Ducks, let's just assume that Lindholm said, yes, I'll do five years. And they sign him. Like, clearly the Ducks don't just want to trade him, right? There has to be some degree of desire on the Ducks end to bring him back. And, of course, we got to take almost everything with some grain of salt because it's not this is not all just – this is just tip of the iceberg, the, the reports that we get. But it is a little bit troubling to me that the Ducks are even considering it, to be honest. I think that Hampus Lindholm does not – like. if, for example, if Hampus Lindholm were to say yes to a five-year deal, do you really think it's going to be five years with no bells and whistles, no no trade clause, no high AAV? Like that five years is still going to sting.
1: Well, and, and here's the other thing to add to that is um, – Crap, I had something, and now
0: I just completely lost it. Um, I can continue to vamp if you want. Go go for it. Go for it. It will come to me eventually. So I just I find it a little bit troubling. And again, I don't know for sure that the Ducks really want him back, but I just find it a little troubling because even if it's a five-year deal, it's still not a great deal. I mean, look at how Lindholm has played. Josh Manson's been a better player than Hampus Lindholm this year by a lot. Now, of course, he's been playing with Cam Fowler and not Jamie Drysdale and... I think playing with a 19-year-old makes a little bit of a difference than the most underrated defenseman in the NHL. Nevertheless though, I I don't know. I I'm just not I'm not high on any kind of deal with Lindholm. I
1: remembered where I was at where I was mm-hmm. going with that. It's the situation of how much of this is just lip service where what we've heard what we've heard is that the the Ducks aren't talking to
0: the Lindholm camp. Well, I think I think Verbeek and and the Ducks need it they need to instill a belief that they are trying to sign Lindholm because otherwise if other teams know that they're just trying to move on from him that that does lower your leverage a little bit right and so when you're negotiating if you just go in and with the other side knowing they just want to get rid of him at all costs you can't get the same but if they think oh these guys actually really want to keep him or they're trying to keep him that does change things so to me I think there's just a lot of smoke and mirrors here. And I just have a hard time believing that with everything that Pat Verbeek has said, that he is really trying to bring Hampus Lindholm back. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the reported offer would speak to that because five years, let's be honest, is kind of laughable considering what Lindholm could get on the open market. He's getting eight years times whatever on the open market. He is not like the, the, this offer from the Ducks. I understand that Lindholm likes it here and you might want to stay, but if you're his agent, how can you advise him to take that deal?
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, let's just say he gets six times nine. I mean, just doing the quick math, six years at nine mil, for instance, let's and on the open market. Let's say he gets seven times eight. That's still $2 Mm -hmm. million more. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. And of course, because he, because he
1: can't get the eighth year if he goes to the open market. And
0: term is so important, right? I mean, even if uh, you get a higher AAV, there is something to that security of a longer-term contract, and knowing yeah. that the money is going to be coming in for longer, right? That matters. And Lindholm has had injuries, and you don't know—you just never know how long you're going to be around. So, yep, I, and I just, I, I think he gets traded. Is what I'm trying to say.
1: And sure, <laughs> maybe there's a concern about the Ducks' depth on the on the defense this season, but
0: does this season really matter? Well, they just traded Josh Manson, so yeah. I don't think they give, you know, what about making the playoffs anymore (laughs) yeah like
1: that is not what this is about they are replacing josh manson with andre schuster six by nine yeah six by nine nice very nice nice very nice (laughs) um so that's that uh ricard raquel i think ricard raquel is being moved i think that he he, didn't play on sunday he didn't play on sunday probably picked up a very minor injury i would i would bet well they did said he, he was injured. They said,
0: well, did he even come out of the game against New Jersey? No, he played the entire game. So he went from being able to play an entire game to he can't play the I mean, it's, of course, it's possible that he's injured, but the timing it's is possible, incredibly – It's possible it's, that there's a minor injury that they're just well, like – Well, yeah, but that's the whole point, right? Is that – okay, so here's the thing. If he has a minor injury and you're trying to make the playoffs and not trade Ricard Raquel, he probably plays, Right. Yeah. And so if Ricard Raquel is a minor injury and you're trying to trade him and you're trying not to have a Jacob Chikrin situation, then you sit him, right?
1: Yeah. And real quick, can we just talk about this? Without Raquel, the Ducks probably played one of their best games of the season. That Islanders game, the Ducks were so good at five on five. Yeah, the Islanders are also not. They're better than the Ducks at five on five. You keep saying that, and you keep, like, forgetting, like, the Ducks are way down below other teams. The Islanders are, like, right at mid midpoint in the well, NHL. Well, you know
0: why the so? Ducks played well? You know why the numbers looked the way they looked? Because the Ducks just played their better players. Because yeah. the, the Ducks are basically two teams to me. Like, the bo- there's the top six and the bottom six. The top six is a very good NHL team. You know, and, of course, there's the Blue Line. And the bottom six is, like, an AHL team. So the bottom six actually wasn't that bad I understand, but, but the, you, you, the, you no, get no, my no, point. No.
1: The fourth, the, or sorry, the fourth line wasn't bad. The third line was bad against the Islanders. The Lundestrom line was not
0: good, but no. I mean, it, is that su- a
1: surprise? No, not at all. Okay. But,
0: uh, yeah, the Islanders mean, are not You mean the Lundestrom line played a game? They they, they, <laughs> they showed up and, and gave what we expect.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's see, really quickly. Yeah, the Islanders are 17th. They're the first team below break-even. Like, the Ducks played two. They're 49.78 expected goals, 4 percentage. On the season. Um, the Ducks outplayed them handily to the tune of it was like three expected goals to like one and a half.
0: Yeah. And and just kind of... On I the mean, back end of a back-to-back. To, and talking about this season and, and their playoff hopes, I mean, now with Manson out, and you assume at least one more guy gets traded, and if it's any kind of return like the one we just saw, where it's a guy who might not even play for the Ducks or barely play for the Ducks this year, like, playoffs are looking not so great. I mean, I think that this kind of... Well. The, they, Andre they, they weren't, they, they weren't obs-
1: looking great before this. I mean, I looked at it. Well, no, the, yeah. the ducks are realistically, if they wanted to make the, if they were going to make the playoffs, they would need to get about 30 points out of their last 20 games. Yeah. <laughs> and they have not been on a point per game, like 500 point, uh, pace in a while. They, they've fallen off since Christmas basically.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, and they've fallen off since the, I mean, even when they've been healthy, they haven't been good. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just you know, but but this is something that we've kind of known. It's it's nothing nothing new, but it's just it's just crystallizing now.
1: Yep. Um, real quick on on chicken before. I mean, I guess we'll just get into some questions because I don't really think there's anything else from those games to necessarily well, talk.
0: about. I, I think the big narrative that has kind of been lost in in the conversation we had so far, understandably so, is John Gibson. I mean, continuing to really oh, yeah. struggle. And, you know, just – he had a bit of a better game against the Islanders, but particularly the Nashville game, the late he was, goal.
1: He was still negative against the Islanders. The The Palmieri goal was rough. He had some yeah. really outstanding saves, but, I mean, you look at the, the vast majority of the game, and he was fine, but he had a couple of bad goals, and he ends up at negative 1.3 expected go- or
0: GSAX on the game. That's the difference of the game. The Ducks lose by one. Yep, and, I mean, you look at the the game against Nashville – right? The late goal to Colton Sissons. I think it's one of the worst goals I've ever seen him let in mm-hmm. in his entire, in, in his entire NHL career. I mean, I know that people said, Oh, it's a perfect shot, but you just like when you're an NHL goalie of the, supposedly that caliber and it's a slap shot from the wing, like 1980s style, uh, that's just, ugh, it's not a great look to me. I mean, that's he hasn't, far out.
1: he hasn't had a positive GSX, GSAX
0: game since pre all-star break yeah and and i think which is a month ago it's also getting to the point where it's not just us saying it and pointing to stats like you know gsax it's also eric stevens wrote an article yesterday about how the ducks need to start maybe giving anthony stolarz more starts and that gibson has not played well i mean i think when it reaches that level that's when you know that shit is getting real here's my question would you trade john gibson this offseason it uh, depends on how confident you are in Lucas Dostal or what the goalie market looks like. Well, I'm looking at it from a value perspective. Do you like what is what are the chances now that John Gibson rebounds next year? Because well, I who, know that there, I know who, that there's been that the, the team excuse, but we're not, we're now on year three of him not being very good. Let me ask you this. Okay. If the Maple Leafs flame out
1: early. And they're looking to really shake things up. Yes. Would they do Gibson for like
0: a Nylander? Mm, Maybe. I mean, but here's the thing, though. To get, if you were to get a William Nylander in return, which I don't know how likely that is. I agreed. Agreed. This is just me throwing stuff out there. But 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 to get something like of that magnitude in terms of return, I feel like this is potentially the last year you can do it. Right. Probably. How many, how many more bad seasons from John Gibson before his trade value is gone or, or, you know, cause right now his contract, you could look at it a couple ways. You could say, well, he's cost controlled. Uh, he's presumably an elite goalie and you, you have that certainty with him or the flip side of it is you could say, well, he's on the decline. He's got the, he's got the cap figure that he does at 6.4 million and he's a negative value asset. Right, I just think that like the window for him being a positive value asset is closing, and and I think maybe we got a little caught this season where he had the really strong run and we thought, okay, maybe he's back now. I did. I did. I mean, he was playing great. No, he I was, gave him. I gave him credit for playing great. No doubt. He was. No he was. He, was, top, he was. He, he was. Was in the top ten of GSAX for he a while. He was. He he went on a very hot ten games ten game stretch. And even in, to start the year, he was kind of just average. You know, he wasn't was up, great. He was
1: up. He was up and down. He wasn't the best. The Ducks were winning in some ways, in spite not in spite of him, but they were doing it with just very average goaltending. He and wasn't. So, he wasn't winning the many games. and That was what made us so excited.
0: Yeah. And, and so the the biggest argument for saying that it's not that John Gibson is not possibly at fault is that we'll look at the team in front of him and how bad the Ducks are. Well, when the Ducks were good this season, you know, early, way back when in the beginning of the season in the before times, uh, John Gibson was not playing that well. Like The, the Ducks were playing a sound five on five game and John Gibson wasn't some world beater. And so I I feel like that kind of hurts the case that oh it's all about the team in front of him and that Dallas Aikens is this goalie killer. I mean if that were if that were true, then why isn't Anthony Stolar also terrible. Right? I mean mm-hmm. I, I just think it, it's I I was I spent way too much time on Friday last Friday waging this this Gibson war on on Twitter, but I really think we have to start I miss acknowledging this, I guess. We have to start acknowledging that it's also his fault. It's not just about the team in front of him or injuries or Carlisle or what have you. Like it's just the things that people will pull out of their asses to excuse John Gibson is just starting to be insane to me. At a certain point you got to call a spade a spade and John Gibson has sucked for now a decent portion of this season. And yeah. I think we and I think we really need to start asking the question of not just should he play less because that has been a yes for years now, but it's also at what point do you have to move on because you can still get something for him and you can just figure it out. Like you can figure it out in net. I think yeah, he stole could play far more games. Find yourself a one, a one B like there's just ways that you can make that work uh, without having to just keep rolling. Cause at one point at a certain point, the ducks, like you said, are going to be more competitive. They're going to be contending. Is John Gibson? Do you trust John Gibson to be a positive, a positive value in a well, scenario like that? Here's the question: Is do you trust Anthony Stolarz to be that though? I trust Anthony Stolarz more than John Gibson right now. With a bigger workload. Yes. Okay. I mean, how much bigger are we talking? Like, I think that in the, in in an ideal scenario, Anthony Stolarz is playing forty-ish games. I don't think you're you're giving him fifty to sixty yeah, games. I don't I think agree. any goalie should really play fifty no, to sixty agreed. games anymore. Agreed. So, but
1: yeah, I no, and, and so it's really going to be a, a cost uh, benefit analysis basically for the ducks and what they could potentially yeah. get for him, and where they were at with um, where they were at with uh, with Lucas Dossel and how they feel about his projection, a- and yeah. also like I said, what's going to be out on the market. Honestly, I think uh, Anthony Stollers gets moved though this season. I think that you look at the amount of teams talking about looking for goaltending.
0: This is about not- Toronto.
1: Toronto. Edmonton. Right. Uh a lot of uh, Vegas. Yeah. Lenner. What They're do you think so- the what do you think the value is for a Stolars though? I mean, he's cheap. He's had great numbers. I think he can get you probably a second. Maybe I'm high out, too high on. That, that is that is that seems high to me. It's possible.
0: I I just I have no real He's a good of- he, he's a good goalie, but with no I think that with goalie's reputation and kind of past performance really matter and he's a goalie with a really small track record and he doesn't have kind of the accolades or the reputation that another goalie might
1: what now, did jack campbell get the the kings
0: i feel like he actually
1: had a decent return jack campbell and kyle clifford were traded to the maple Leafs by los angeles on wednesday for trevor moore a third round pick in the 2020 draft and a third round pick in the 21 draft
0: so I so mean st- that that feels closer than to than the second round pick you mentioned.
1: Yeah, I mean if it okay, so a third round pick instead of a second.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just think that the Ducks are going to need a decent goalie, and I think Anthony Stolars is that. And I'm not so like I think that Stolars is great value for the Ducks because he gives them good goaltending and he costs you practically nothing on on the cap. So. Is a third-round pick really this kind of? Is the third-round pick worth giving that up? I don't think so. Maybe, yeah. maybe now I'm just drinking. I mean, I'm I'm drunk on the the the, the Stoli Kool Aid, but I I really uh, you're you're a little drunk right now. I'm not. I don't think I'm drunk. I'm just I'm buzzed. I'm a little buzzed. I've had a, yeah. I've had a couple, but I really think that it's important to ha- like in the NHL. It's important to have goaltending when you're trying to be any type of good. The Ducks only have one goalie right now. That's giving them positive value. So you're going to trade him. And then I guess you go find another backup, but you have that, you have that backup right now. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm just giving Stolarz too much credit.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I come back to this. How do they feel about Lucas Dostal? If they think he's ready and make the jump great
0: when he's played this year, (laughs)
1: like if they think he's ready and make the jump and become a one, a one B then sure. But I, I think it, it, it really comes down to the value of John Gibson to other teams. And I think there is a certain point. If the value is not there, then
0: it's not worth moving him. Remember that. Well, here's the thing though. It's kind of worth moving him to just not have him be playing goalie for you anymore. Right? Like he hasn't been good. True. He's heard it. Like at a certain point, you're going to need to win games. And as it turns out, you need a goalie to stop the puck in close games. Like, I'm sorry. No, I This is I not agree. a controversial yeah. take. Yep. Agree. Fair. I'm I'm drunk right now. You are. I'm All not right. actually drunk. Moving <laughs> on
1: to the other topic that I wanted to briefly talk about before we get into questions. Jacob Chikrin. He oh. is out. He is out for what? It, it was announced three to four weeks. Was that right? That, does that deal still get done, though? I think that it sounds like the Coyotes really want to move him.
0: Now, as opposed to this summer.
1: Yeah, it sounds like they are really making the push to just get him off their team, get him moved, uh-huh. um, and get that deal done. Mm-hmm. I think him being hurt, I don't think it necessarily impacts his value that much. Because most of the teams that will be looking for him if they're in the playoff hunt aren't looking for him just for right like this next two-week period. They're mm-hmm. looking for him for this playoff run, plus also a long long-term kind of situation. Right. So I don't know if this necessarily impacts uh, impacts the Ducks or makes the Ducks more of a front-runner because they don't really care if he can play right now yeah. or not. Um, but, I mean, it's possible it does. I just really don't think it. Because I've been asked well, that a couple times today. The Ducks honestly.
0: have been linked to Chikrin over and over.
1: Yeah. And it's a team that I think Pierre Lebrun made the report on. They're a team that he had personally not heard of being linked to the Ducks until recently. Mm-hmm. And so, that's, so a, that's a new
0: development from uh, Pierre. Can you imagine if the Ducks come out of this with Chikrin, you move on from Lindholm Manson, you've got Hellison, you maybe add another prospect through Raquel. Like, your standing long-term is a lot, lot mm-hmm. prettier mm-hmm. than it is right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it happens. Would though. you move this year's first for Chikrin? No. Because I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better and better. Would you move next year's first? I would be more open to that because I think they're okay. going to be better next year. Okay. I, I also think next year they're going to try to win. Yeah. Yep. Do you, Do you think they're going to try to make the playoffs next year? Like, yeah. what's this offseason going to look like? I think
1: I think they're going to try to build a team that can try to uh, start pushing to the playoffs. Because I, I'm forgetting I'm,
0: where we where we heard this, but I think Verbeek has even said that he's looking to add through free agency.
1: Yes, this he is. summer. So yeah, I think he said that. He said that somewhere. All right, let's get some questions. So we're going to start with our Patreon Discord. Um, Darko Theory said, "Where does Sam Steele go after this season?" And so we're starting from the the oldest one to the newest. So there's going to be a couple of non Manson ones, non Manson so. questions. Yeah. Yeah. So and Sam Steele's an RFA. So where
0: do they go? Do the Ducks qualify him? I think so. I think. I mean, well, this is so hard now with Verbeek because we just don't really know quite as well. But I feel like he's done enough this year. I mean, he's just going to be a cheap kind of filler player. Yeah. You you need those guys. <laughs> At a certain point, so I I think that yeah they keep him around for depth, yeah like I, like that, that that's who he is now. He's he's a, just a depth forward, and that's fine. Yep, I would agree with that completely. And I'm trying to just very like completely- we need we need to stop talking about Sam Steele now in in the context of oh he's he's this impact or could be this impact player or, or whatever. Like no, he's just yeah. he's fine. And I, I, I mean here's his QO. His QO would be nine hundred and seventeen thousand. They'll qualify him. He'll yeah, be a duck. He'll he'll be a duck. Like they'll, it's they'll just, qualify. Yeah. So like, like like what's the impetus to to trade him or not bring him back or anyway, sorry. Yep. Uh JJ Stone Drum says, What's your perfect
1: hockey score? I like a good four three or three two type of game. Uh you get some goals, but not uh
0: no one's getting blown out. Wow. Yeah, that is an interesting question. Uh I've never thought about this. I think seven mi- to five. I think minus four to two. Yeah, I think just, I would just as a that. former goalie. I I don't want to see any goalie stats get too destroyed. Because 5-3 would be my my second best. I, I would think, say go ahead. I was going I think 4-2 is ideal. Four, fourth one usually being in the empty net though. Like you want I'll a 3-2.
1: I'll I'll just be different. I'll go 5-3 with the fifth one being in the empty net.
0: Yeah. Now, I so, want a, I want a one goal game basically. Yeah. Um
1: D frenzy said now that Bob Murray is a scout for the Flames, is there or are there any possible trades that could happen Actually, between no. the Ducks and Sorry. the Flames?
0: Actually no. Sorry. I take it back. I take it back. My ideal score is 5 to 4 in a shootout. My ideal game has a shootout in it. Okay, continue. You
1: yeah, that may be the thing that will get you the most hate. <laughs> um so now this came, came from D-Frenzy. Now that Bob Murray is a scout for the lames are there any possible trades that could happen between the Ducks and the Flames? Uh I feel like they're not Manson would have been the only one I would have made that connection on. So Yeah, I don't I, really I, see others.
0: No. Moving on.
1: Okay. Key debt. Matt 15 says, does chicken injury? Does chicken's injury help or hurt the ducks chances of trading for him?
0: Like I kind of said, I don't it think helps. it makes a difference if anything helps because they if, might just hang around longer than other teams might.
1: Yeah. And other teams may want him healthier because of the playoffs, but I don't think it makes that big of a difference. Yeah. Um, JJ stone drum says, will Manson re-sign with the ducks in the off season, making this trade look even better. You have to make a prediction one way or the other. Does that
0: make it look better, though? I feel like it's just—it just, it just kind of is what it is.
1: Yeah, but you still it, move the guy. You still have the player for the future. Plus, you got the picks and prospects. I'm going to say no because because I don't think it matters. I'm going to go with yes then, and we'll come back to this. I don't know. I want to be different than you. Sometimes we have to <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware of that. Hey, yo, uh said, I think Olaf Berserker mentioned this in the main chat, but does the Manson deal affect our perception of what Lindholm and Raquel will fetch?
0: I don't think so because I think Manson's market is just completely, was completely different. I also
1: think that, I don't know if we talked about this a whole lot, but the no movement clause, I think probably limited the leverage that the Ducks had in yeah. terms of this deal. Um, I said that okay. multiple times. Uh, we've, okay. we've
0: been talking for over an <laughs> hour. <laughs> That's Some... what I'm saying is, is like his market is just not comparable, really.
1: Yeah, and, and I also think that you look at the stretch of uh, play that Raquel's had. Raquel's been fantastic. And honestly, I mentioned this, I think it was just to you before we started recording, but that Manson deal is almost kind of similar to what uh, Tyler Chafoli got for the Kings uh, from Vancouver with a second in Tyler Madden. It was essentially yeah. two second round picks, yeah. and so if that was the uh, ask and what Tyler Toffoli got, and this is what Manson got, I would say it's probably about going to be the same type of deal for for a Ricard Raquel, maybe even a little bit more because he's on a scoring bender right now.
0: Yes, and, and so I don't and think it's really and there could impact. be more teams on in on him than Manson. So.
1: Yep. Uh, we have a couple of city recommendations that we will get to in the shit show part of the uh, show. Uh, that guy, Bobski said question, uh, noted Troy Terry hashtag, uh, Troy Terry, hashtag creator, uh, Jake Rudolph, or this is for Jake Rudolph. Troy Terry is one point away from 100 in his career. How does he get it and win?
0: That's, I thought the question's for you.
1: It is, but I, I was going to let you go first, but fine. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go say he gets it on Friday because I will be in attendance, <laughs> yeah. and he ends up scoring a breakaway goal. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, SP84 said, was this trade a uh, good trade for both teams? Yes. Yes. Uh, ooh, APA AG says, follow-up, who gets the apples on Troy Terry's goal?
0: Uh, Zegers and Milano. I'm
1: going to go with Fowler. Uh, CZO said... Is tomorrow going to be Raquel's last game as a duck? And will they put him on a line with uh, the Breadman when he is traded to the Rangers? I think he's already played his last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy Bobsky said could Gibson slash Lindstrom be the center of a Jacob Chikrin deal? I'm gonna say no. There, Gibson doesn't make any sense for them.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it's compatible. No. I mean,
1: they're they're a rebuilding team. They want someone that's younger. They're not gonna want a John Gibson on their team. No, 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 no need at all um all right i got a couple in twitter dms that i want to just quickly get to uh justin beck said uh sorry advance for bringing up plus minus but super curious how drysdale is minus 18 and
0: lindholm is even can you explain that i mean doesn't that kind of show doesn't that kind of tell you how why you shouldn't pay attention to plus minus yeah if two guys in the same pairing can have wildly different stats even though they play together The grand majority, like exclusively together.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: normalize and not paying attention to plus minus. Yeah. And here's how I looked this up and I accidentally closed the
1: tab. But together, they've been on the ice uh, for 33 goals for 33 against. Drysdale without Lindholm has been on the ice for only three goals for and 14 against. Lindholm by himself uh, with or Lindholm without Drysdale, 11 goals for um, 11 goals against. And though the Drysdale one of a 17% goals for percentage does not necessarily reflect the expected goals for percentage when he's on the ice. It's not great at 44%, but it's sure not 17%. So that's why don't look at plus minus. Don't always even look at goals for percentage because also with Drysdale, he's out on the power play a lot of times, and Mm -hmm. shorthanded goals count as a minus, Uh, empty net goals count as a minus. Power or shorthanded goals against don't count as a minus. So plus-minus yep. is a bad stat because it picks and chooses. Normalize, not looking at plus-minus. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, good friend of the show, Trevor Zegers, uh, <laughs> sent another question. Especially uh, that uh, especially with all the attention the Ducks are getting because of Zegers. When do you think the Ducks will get an outdoor game and against who?
0: Ooh, that is a good question. I feel like. They probably try to do the the again, right? Sorry, say that again, you you cut out slightly. Oh, I feel like they might try to just do the SoCal rivalry again. Like is that not yeah. the most logical? I mean, how long has it up been? for the Ducks? It's been almost a decade. I I feel like the outdoor games have almost like if it's not the the Winter Classic, it, they're almost like regional games now where you're trying to really captivate one area. I mean, you saw it with Toronto-Buffalo this weekend that the Heritage Classic. I like forgot the heritage classic was happening, but it was a huge deal in those markets. And I'm thinking that maybe that's the approach here if it's not a winter classic. So I could see it being ducks, sharks, you know, ducks, uh, Kings, maybe you do a ducks Kraken. I mean, just to kind of pump their tires, but I think it would, I think it would still be another California team. Yep. Agreed. Um, and then he also asked, do you think Nick
1: Robertson is on the table? Would be cool if we could get a lot of Zegras's Team USA teammates. Was Robertson on that Team USA? I don't think so. Maybe he was on the year before.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like he wasn't, but but, uh, not, no, I, I, haven't, I, I haven't committed world junior rosters to I memory. mean,
1: supposedly the Leafs are in on Lindholm, and
0: I think Robertson could potentially be on the table for that deal. I'm tired of hearing about the Leafs. I'm just so tired of it. Maybe it's because I listen to thirty-two thoughts and well, it's all the different podcasts. It, it's because but, they're
1: good, and so of course everyone's going to talk about no. But all
0: them. the all of this narrative about their goaltending—it's just make it I stop. Mean, it's make bad. it stop. I should maybe just stop watching Canadian uh, broadcasts. Maybe that's where I should yeah. start.
1: So I'm going to start here. So anyone um, in the Twitch chat, there's a lot of questions. So if you haven't heard yours asked uh, by a certain point, just throw it back in. Um, I'm starting with Dalton Key's question though. Uh, we were hearing, uh, name a lot last season in trade rumors. Why do you think we haven't heard basically anything about him this time around?
0: Well, because he, he wasn't traded last year and I feel like it's just well established now. I mean, by his own admission that he enjoys being a duck and wants to be a one team guy. Like, I feel like he's, he's, if he hasn't said that specifically, he's hinted at it pretty hard. Um, so I, I just feel like last year kind of shot it down basically. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think, just- and, and, and there's probably, there's probably inside info that he doesn't want to get dealt, right? Like, yeah. that's probably, I mean, there's a reason names end up out there. And I think that maybe the reason that gets name ended up out there last year was cause he was at least somewhat considering it. I mean, look, there was the deal on the table to Vegas, but it just doesn't seem like this year. It's even a thought. Yep uh
1: also forgot to mention uh these are these questions are coming from twitch if you want to support us go to twitch.tv slash crash the pond if you have amazon prime you get one free twitch prime gaming sub each and every time uh or you one free twitch prime gaming sub and you can subscribe to us by hitting that subscribe button uh after 30 days and it does help uh support us more than you can imagine uh goons uh never say Dye asks us what's the best realistic deal for Hampus and what's your top end prospect you can get for him again, uh, get for him again. Realistically, you answer this.
0: I think it's going to be a first and a really good prospect. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, I, that's, that's established, but you know, the, 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 the prospect in question, I think it would be like a first and a Nick Robertson,
1: a first and a, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Grin, uh, yeah, I think these. That's the. It, it's not going to be the top, top, top guy, but it's going to be a pretty good prospect that you can get. Yep. Um, and so famous A B said, "Question: How do the Ducks look next season? In your opinion?"
0: I think that they're going to. Well, I think I think they're trading everyone. Um, we haven't talked about Nick Deloria much, but I feel like he's likely on the move. So, I mean, by by the
1: logic of Pat Verbeek, every he basically said every UFA that is unsigned to an extension, he wants to move cuz he does not want to lose nothing I love Nick it. Nick DeLoria is that, right? There has yep. been zero talk of an extension.
0: Yep. I think he's so, gone. So I think the Ducks are going to sell the farm this year um and by sell the farm, I don't mean their farm system but just sell everybody. And then I think that this summer, Pat Verbeek starts the build portion of the rebuild. And I think that he's going to bring in some free agents. I think you're going to have continued internal improvement from the younger players. You're going to have, I mean, Troy Terry being firmly in his prime. And I think that the Ducks are going to be a much more serious playoff contender next year. I am also really curious what the Pacific will look like because, I mean, San Jose could continue to be really, really bad next year. LA, they're depending on a lot of aging pieces vancouver is a wild card so i think that there is a door there for the ducks to to walk through and become a playoff team next year yep
1: uh let's see b Dottle dawdles asked question what area would you look for in a return in a lindholm or rakela deals uh more men goalie what kind of area would you want to look at
0: i still think that the ducks need more dynamic forwards in their system i mean they they have they have some they have some really good ones but you you do still want to keep building that up so that is something that i would favor but building out your blue line is also not this like bad thing either yep agreed i I think you just
1: want to get high-end players whatever you can get whoever ends up being yeah someone who's a
0: someone who's a legitimate swing and not just you know kind of a a, a low ceiling type guy like i think hellison hellison is maybe a little more on the floor side of things but i think he does seem to have some upside.
1: yeah really quickly backtracking slightly to kind of what you said about the ducks next season. It almost feels like they're in a spot to almost try to do what the Kings did last off season. Yeah. And make yep. some splashes. I don't know how I feel about this, but do they take a run at Johnny Gaudreau?
0: I mean, we've, we've talked about it. <laughs> we've talked about it. I, I think that they'll try. I think that the flyers are just going to outspend everybody and Probably. make it happen. But, but I mean, I, I don't think it's crazy because like, even though it might not feel completely right, these are the years that you kind of have to go for it because you've got your young players on ELCs. They're going to end up costing. It's going to be harder. So try to make the big moves now and yeah. see where it falls. The, and the,
1: the only concern is locking guys up to term. I think if you can get guys yep. for four or five years with the higher AAV like they're trying to do with, yep. th- with Lindholm, I think that would make more sense. Yep. Yep. So – um, all right. So next question, Matt Hend or M. Hendrickson, sixty-one said, fun non-trade deadline question. If the World Juniors do end up resuming in August and rosters aren't frozen from last January, would you send McTavish, Zelweger, Drysdale, and risk a Kirby Doc-esque scenario playing out? McTavish hasn't really had a chance to settle in with any given team this past year, uh, give or take, and will probably be a part of be part of a deep Memorial Cup run. Do any or does any of our January participants' stock change? So we talking about sending them where to, to the World Juniors that are slated to be in August. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think, know. I, I mean, but, Drys Dry still's a no.
0: McTavish is a no. Yeah, Zellweger makes sense. because He's so young, and I think Zell, he's, st- he's still got some development time. But I Zellweger,
1: it like- depends on how they view view him and if they want him to. Because it, it's going to conflict somewhat with camp and prospect camp and things like that. And so it depends on how they view that.
0: Yeah, there's just there's just not really I think a ton of upside to sending them personally. Yeah,
1: yep, agreed. I think maybe whoever you take in the first round this year, maybe he goes past a job, I think would still probably go. Yep, the, those types of guys. I, I think Zeljekar's too high at this point uh, to to go. Yep. Um, Sith Lord Buscemi said, "Question: Do you uh, do we see Hellison this year, and who is his D partner?"
0: Ooh, um, I think that we do see him this year, and in terms of a partner, I mean, I'm I mean, assuming it, Lindholm's gone.
1: Put him with Fowler,
0: yeah. Why not? Put him with. I That actually probably makes the most sense. Just Fowler kind of Fowler's the one that.
1: Bit. Yeah, Fowler's the one that can protect guys the most and really yep. help out. Um, Tristan Miss said, "Question: What do you think of the Ducks and Kubalie? That was something we haven't talked about. Was that uh, <laughs> Chicago writer has said that the Ducks are supposedly high on Kubalie, in on Kubalie, however you want to mm-hmm. uh, take it. What
0: are your opinions on that? I don't think Kubelik is worth." Uh, giving up assets for agreed. <laughs> I think that he's a very one dimensional player who had one really good shooting high season shooting
1: percentage season and playing kind of, with
0: Patrick Kane and kind of just doesn't do a whole lot else for you. Um, and if so, I mean, we're seeing it like with Max Contois this season, these guys who rely on that, on that shot to drive their value. When the, when the shot is not going in, they just don't have much else to offer. And I feel like Kubelik is that.
1: Yeah, and I, I just and also with his QO, his QO is gonna be high. Um mm-hmm. it it just doesn't make sense. Um so I, I the only way that I th- would be okay with it is if it's a very low cost acquisition, like a fifth round pick.
0: Sure. If you're Fit, t- but he's
1: he's not even that young. Like I no, just I don't really see it. a fifth a fifth round pick with a three year extension at like a couple mil, maybe.
0: Yeah, but that's not happening. No, so.
1: like it, it, that's the thing is, in order to talk myself into it, it turns into <laughs> an unrealistic situation.
0: Exactly, which, which is tells sign, you tells yeah. you
1: everything you need to know. Yep. uh Animeholics D ninety four said, "Question: The reaction to this trade is uh, once again revealed how general public grossly overvalues first round picks. People act like players outside of first first round picks are scrubs. Would be cool for you to talk about this reaction and how we so often see f- uh so often from fans." see or see this so often from fan search towards trades why do you think there is this misvalue in the
0: eyes of the public so so the question is about you know first round picks being overvalued
1: yeah and just kind of how people probably viewed this trade and saw there wasn't a first and we're like okay well this is a nothing trade then because there's no first rounder in
0: it. Yeah, I do think that that is a little bit of a stretch. I mean, I understand that the first round pick carries a certain weight and it is important, but keep in mind that this is a first round pick coming from a very good team. And so, getting the 20, like the difference between the player you could get at 28, 27, 29, and a player that you can get late in the second round is probably not as big as people think it is. Yeah. Because you see guys slide all the time.
1: I Well, yeah. And I think what we end up with is people. Don't necessarily think about the actual draft position right, with that exactly. value. And so I, I think, yeah, I, I think you're spot on. And I think what this is also missing is the actual value of Hellison and where. Yeah, exactly. Because at I think
0: Hellison is a well regarded prospect. And that is where uh, like, I, I see him as kind of like the quote unquote first round pick value in this.
1: Yep. Uh, CJK Chill said uh, Would you be against going into next season with Gibson? Then, if he's still struggling around Thanksgiving, you move him. Do you see his value coming down that much by that?
0: yeah i mean <laughs> hey guys who wants our struggling goalie you, you you want this guy who's you know having another bad season for the fourth year in a row like to be able to get value you gotta you can't just sell you, you can't expect to sell low and expect to get something decent in return like pe- other teams are going to hold that against you because they don't want to use their premium assets and so that's why i think that trading gibson sooner rather than later while he hasn't completely bottomed out is probably the smarter thing to do
1: uh yeah uh so let's see what was the next question uh because there's a bunch of kind of repeats now uh Austin price uh said i know this might be might uh uh be tough to project but with the trade of manson and most likely lindholm what do you guys think of our defense pair or defense pairs look like in 2022 2023
0: Okay, so next season's defense. Uh, first pairing is Fowler-Drysdale? Yeah, I think so. Second pairing, <laughs> uh, is it Benoit and Shattenkirk? I'm asking you. Uh, sorry, I, I'm moderating something. Okay. Uh, okay, well, so I, I would. it's kind of hard to know who they're going to go out and get. I don't know if Hellison will be on the team to start next year but let's assume that he is you've got fowler with drysdale you've got benoit with um shattenkirk and then on your third pairing i think that you could have probably mahura hellison i think that would be kind of interesting um i don't know i doubt that this is what it's going to look like though because we know that uh we know that however values bigger guys some experience and so i would imagine that this is going to look a lot different i'm actually curious what the ducks are going to do with Kevin Shattenkirk as well, because he's got a year left on his contract does not fit the timeline. Do they just let him, I mean, do, do they let him write it out? If, if they're uh, in a, in a playoff scenario next season, or do they trade him? I just don't really know. It's going to be interesting. Uh,
1: I didn't hear you mention, uh, as I was doing that, I didn't hear you mention uh Jacob Chikrin.
0: <laughs> yeah, my bad. Jacob yeah. Chikrin first pairing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. M, uh, N, M Malug. Sorry for if that's just horrible mispronunciation. Assuming Akins is let go, do you have anyone in particular you would like to be behind the bench next year?
0: I don't have any candidates, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Like, yeah. it, it's tough because I just have no idea at all. Yeah. Um. Let's see because – trying to just piece through all of these um let's see rooch 20 said question any chance the ducks go on a complete fire sale this trade deadline
0: i mean that's kind of what they're doing yeah <laughs> so yeah. the answer is yes there is a chance
1: yeah i i think that is actually what they're going to end up doing mm-hmm. um let's see we haven't really talked about uh nick Deloria. what do you think he gets in return
0: third round pick yeah fourth round pick something yep. like that if they got
1: a third i'd be happy yeah. extremely extremely happy yeah um. Let's see. Famous AB says, "Who will be the le- uh, leadership
0: if Getzloff is gone next season? Do you think they name a captain if if Getzloff is gone next year? I feel like they might just not name a captain for a year and then probably ride the like three assistants or whatever, and then the year after they will then name a captain. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think they'll probably wait for Trevor egress to come in and uh really uh." Really kind of take over that capsule role. I mean, maybe it's Troy Terry. Who knows? Um, yeah. Are you ready for uh, the shit show part of the show? Uh, sure. Sure. Let's do it. Uh, so here we go. Lewis X 209 always coming in with a great city. Well, well <laughs> I should rephrase that. He has been kind of cold of late. He yeah. said Bay, Quebec.
0: G- how do you spell that? G A S P E. Oh yeah, this is like a, I mean, this is actually a really nice region of Quebec. Did did Lou let us down yet again? This is not. This doesn't fit. I'm sorry. I'm gonna Lou, say no.
1: Lou, Why? Why, why are you doing this to I'm, us? Why are you giving us such bad places? I'm calling um, the bluff. Let's see. Who else has recommendations? Uh, Prince Rupert,
0: British Columbia, from Will. When are we gonna start doing uh, cities in other countries? Is the real question. I don't know. Anyone have other countries? Pr- Prince Rupert. Holy. This is so remote. This is actually really remote.
1: <laughs> Lou's mad that we didn't even zoom in on the Gaspé. <laughs> All right, here. Fine. I- I'm zooming in for you, Lou. This looks way too nice. It- oh, wait. Birthplace of Canada in Gaspé? Oh, is that the first? uh, Interesting. Okay. Right, we're back on Gaspé, I guess. Let's see. <laughs> I'm giving Lou a redemption appearance okay,
0: okay fair enough here we go. I don't know what the, we're looking
1: they're, at there I don't know I'm just going down the streets kind of seeing what there is i
0: I, I hold I hold this uh town in some degree of of esteem of regard uh, and so' <laughs> we're, we're, yeah birthplace we're, of Canada which is temporarily closed does what it is, have a review? yeah let's see the plaques all through the area are nicely set up in french and english (laughs) free stop to see the birthplace of canada there are there are a few large artifact with descriptions in english and french parking is across the street that seems like an issue this very cute historical center with ships is right by the water there is a big art display as well as historical plaques all over explaining the birthplace it's kind of cool yeah i'm here for it yeah Exactly. Not a bad, so, not a bad recommendation. Finally. Okay. So apologies, w- apologies to Lewis. We'll we'll give him his flowers. Yeah. What was the other place again? Prince Rupert, British Columbia. So. Prince. I feel like we're starting to pick cities that might have a higher chance of someone listening from there. Okay. Maybe not this one though. So Prince Rupert is basically almost in Alaska. I mean, you're you're like getting very close to Alaska at that point. Um. There is just not a whole lot going on here.
1: It's like the distance from Vancouver of like L.A. to like, oh no, it's further than Sacramento or San Francisco. That's what I'm
0: saying. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There is a Safeway. Okay, that's kind of interesting. There's a Walmart. It looks like there's a mountain. There's the <laughs> Black Rooster. Black Rooster
1: in an apartments. Yeah, PJ's food and PJ's food too. You, we, you can stay at the the Black Rooster in an apartments for a low, low price of one
0: hundred and thirty six dollars a a night. That seems incredibly high. Am I crazy here? Is I, is is rent is rent that high in British Columbia? I don't know. Let, let's see what the Black Rooster uh uh place looks like. Let's see these. Oh, uh, uh, this is a room there. Okay. I mean, it looks kind of nice. There's a gym if you want to get your workout in. Uh, wow get get swole bathrooms look kind of miserable though um but there is a nice quaint feel to it sure i feel like it's just extremely cold up here and gloomy so rupert i don't know what rupert rooms is i don't know this is uh, described as a room <laughs> we've got
1: we got oh wait oh i guess there's a play. should we do geo what's that or should we save that for the next episode and test run it? Basically, they give you like an image and you have to try to piece together where it's from. Okay, I'm here for it. Do we do that right now or save it for the next episode? Next yeah, episode,
0: save, save it for next. Save it for next.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh,
0: I'm just confused well, that there's the Rupert Rooms is still okay. throwing me off.
1: Uh, let's do this. I'm gonna cha- we got this Iceland and then I'm gonna briefly try to look up Geogesser and see if I can figure it out right now. Okay. But this place is
0: I I go to our Twitch chat. It's from PC main. Kirk, Kirk Yar, store Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just, oh my. This is I gonna just, be
1: interesting. I I just went for a copy and paste. There there's not a street. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hold on hold on I need to see this.
1: There or there's one street
0: is there street there's no street oh i i can oh my god this oh wow this is beautiful yeah i feel like it's nice but holy crap it's just so remote yeah i don't know if i could yeah there's no street view that's frustrating there's street there's like location views though oh yeah yeah this is nice but god it just looks so remote i don't know if i could handle living in a place like this oh we're in the hotel i'm in the hotel i need to be on a major continent i think this this looks like a really nice hotel very yeah, the, hot- uh, the hotel closter. Is that the one you're looking at? Yeah. Oh, and now I'm in a hotel room. I'm in a hotel room, guys. There's actually reviews on the hotel cluster. We're, Easily we're- accessible by car. Parking available. Guests appreciated the large bathrooms. Guests like why is this about the guests? Guests like the clean rooms, though some comments and maintenance could be improved. Oh, this is like the Google algorithm telling us. There's four hundred and thirty one reviews about this hotel. The Hotel Kloster. That's, clou- that's actually insane. This must be a popular spot. This one is from Rachel Roop. Actually, let, let's find a... Should we find a bad review? This is... Yeah, it's a 3 All the s- reviews are really high. <laughs> the pictures look really nice.
1: Rachel Roop. There's a pool and a slide! Yeah, this is insane. How have we gone from talking about Josh Manson for Drew Hellison to now talking about slides? There's a
0: waterfall, apparently. This podcast is insane. Yeah, I don't know. I'm... I'm impressed. This is actually a really good call. This is a good shout. Yeah. There's so many excellent reviews for this place. Like I'm, I'm baffled. Yeah. PC Main said he randomly
1: picked a, uh, a spot and it came out to be very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Can I briefly get GeoGuessr up? What is GeoGuessr? Uh, uh no. You have to create an account. I want to keep. I'll, I'll do that later.
0: Okay. Basically, it gives too, you too like
1: work. it gives you like a Google image of a, a specific place like just random like google image and you have to try to guess where it's from
0: Mm-hmm. okay and
1: so like you could get a picture with the statue of liberty and so it's like oh, okay new york it could also just be a picture of a bus hmm okay and okay. it like try to figure out what city it in and it could be climax felix
0: that's true we all want a climax so
1: oh wait now people are saying it's google map and you can like walk around and stuff maybe oh. i just don't know what GeoGuessr is
0: yeah, me neither. I definitely don't know what it is. I'm I'm sitting here very confused.
1: Yeah. Um. Let's see. Are there any food takes that we should? Uh... Okay. Should we just go with Lewis's final uh, food take? Sure. <sighs>
0: Bacon reeks. Bacon Smells reeks. Smells horrible. You know, I will say this. Actually, I feel like I had a I had one earlier. Oh, did I say this in the podcast? I'm saying it now. Sorry, Lewis, your your take's gonna have to wait. Let me present you pre-sliced fruit. If you buy your fruit pre-sliced in a box, I find that to be I find that to be a bit offensive. Why can't you just buy the actual fruit, get a damn knife, cut it yourself, and just carry on? Like I was in line at Sprouts last week, and behind me is this individual who has Multiple boxes of pre-sliced fruit, and I'm just thinking to myself, is it so hard to just buy the actual fruit and just do it yourself? It's just does, does no one have any pride anymore? So, anyway, that's my that's my rant against sliced fruit. Look, I get it. If you're in a hurry, if you if you're, you're planning an event, what have you? Like, I guess there's a I guess there's an explanation for it, but I I just think buy the real thing, do it yourself. Nothing wrong with that. No rules against that. And then to lewis's take yeah bacon is slightly overrated but it does not smell bad and it is good
1: um i've bought uh, a pre sliced fruit man i'm sure time. you
0: have i'm sure you have many a time well because you're the utility guy you're the oh this is this is efficient yeah some things in life are more are about more than just efficiency and this nope. is one of them. Sometimes you just want to grab it and eat
1: it and have it all, met, like have it nice and easy. Especially pre-sliced pine- pineapple, oh, That's so much
0: easier. Also, what about the environment? Those plastic containers add up, Jake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, I mean, I I have a, I actually have a glass bottle next to me, so wow. there you go. I'm green. Wow. I'm green. Wow. Um, Lou also said, and this is correct. Uh, eggs also reek. They don't. Eggs are great. Nope. Love eggs. Nope. I mean, eggs do have a certain smell. I will agree that they they can be a bit of an issue, but I would still push back. Yeah. Bacon's a great food. Yep. I mean, it's fine. I don't think we should. We should be careful not to overrate it because a lot of people do.
1: I mean, bacon's fantastic.
0: It's fine. Don't give it more than it deserves. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, any <laughs> final closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. Uh, excited. Just excited to see what comes next. I mean, this has been a journey to get to this point of seeing finally the Ducks make a trade of consequence. And I, I'm i just really curious to see what happens next. So that's my closing thought. Oh, also excited for uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, there was a chance that Darth Maul was going to be in it and they pulled it. I mean that would make sense from the timeline. Yeah, but f- screw the timeline. We want
1: Darth Maul. Okay. Uh. <laughs> ooh. Uh. CJKHL said, uh, "Are we pro strawberry milk in here?" Ugh. No. I don't know if I've ever actually had strawberry. Milk. Ugh. That sounds disgusting. No. Hell no. Uh. And oh, I just need to go at, at lose a final awful take here. Okay. Barbecue pizza is bad.
0: He's it's wrong. not great. It's not great. I, I I might actually agree. I don't think it's bad, but it's not great. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's fine. It's good. It's fine. It is what it is. It's a net neutral. <laughs> <laughs> I I think
1: wait, I, I'm just gonna simply say this. Um you are banned from having pizza
0: takes. Me? Yes. What did I do? Has my food? Has my cheese pizza take been set on here? I think it has. Yes, it has. Cheese your bread. your your pizza takes get have get thrown out the door. Okay, fair
1: enough. Wrong, yeah. but wrong, but fair enough. Um. All right.
0: If you want to take us out, uh, go for it. I need to do something real quick in here. <laughs> all right. Well, if you have enjoyed what you have heard today, folks, there are a few ways to help support our show. The number one way is through our Patreon page, Patreon.com slash crash the pond there are a few tiers of support the number one that i recommend to you that you're going to get the most enjoyment out of for the lowest cost is one dollar a month you get access to our patrons only discord server you get to connect with other diehard ducks fans you get to connect with other people who follow the team religiously maybe if you're not quite a die hard yet but you just want to learn more um this is an, a great way to do that and like we've talked about throughout the show we've got different channels in there to discuss food pop culture what have you we've got it in there and it's a lot of fun and that's for one dollar a month um, now for five dollars a month you get access to that and on top of that two bonus episodes and this is a great month to join in because we're going to be doing an episode breaking down every single trade of the trade deadline so not just the ducks perspective but every single trade so these are massive episodes but there there are some more favorite ones and in other months we'll do again league-wide rankings give you a bit, a bit of a more league-wide perspective and a little more unfiltered as well um, now for 15 dollars a month that's just basically giving us a, a great big hug and that's all at patreon.com crash the pond now you don't have to pledge any money though month monthly to support us you can still check us out um on apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review on there those go a really long way and if you leave us a review uh, we will read it on the show we don't have any to read this week but if you do we will definitely shout you out we really really appreciate those you can also check us out on spotify i leave us a rating there that is a new thing and you can also find us on youtube youtube.com crash the pond see the video format of the show uh, see all the different charts the random cities you can see jake holding his dear cat salem at the end of this um oh and i just heard a little purring great i'm hearing a lot of purring now <laughs> that is good That is good. She looks pretty happy. She hasn't jumped out of your arms yet.
1: No, she got real mad at first though. I I may have woke her up from her nap.
0: So that's at youtube.com slash crash the pond. Make sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. Um, And make sure to check out our website, crashthepond.com. We're going to have articles going up there this week, talking about the trade deadline, breaking down every trade. Um, You can find crash the pond on social media at crash the pond on Twitter. And we're on Facebook as well. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91 and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore sicard. That is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you in a week. And, oh boy, buckle up. It's going to be an interesting one. Talk to you then. Bye.